0: Well, never say you have a slow week. I've learned that I don't know how many times because in ministry it just kind of ebbs and flows. Uh, You have like just times where it's just chaos and hectic and then there's other times where you can just chill. And I thought after the dad and daughter dance that I was going to have one of those moments and I actually said it and you should never say it out loud. But um, uh, Bart was uh, in Manhattan, flew to Indianapolis Monday night. He had told me that he was coming to town, but he was just too busy to hang out. And he Tuesday they had an interview uh, at K-Love Radio. I don't know if you heard that on the in the morning, but <coughs> they actually talked about you guys for about 10, 15 minutes. I don't know if it made it on the air or not, but they talked about Levener and all the things that was happening here, uh, which was pretty cool. But uh, Brickle, his manager, the, the one that Trace Atkins played in the movie, called and said, hey, why don't you come down and hang out in the studio with us? So I'm like, okay. So I went down and hung out in the studio. And while Bart's interviewing, he texts me. He goes, why don't you and Michelle just pack a bag and get on the bus with us and go this week? And I'm like, seriously? Tex-Mex? <laughs> I didn't eat Tex-Mex once the whole week, so uh but so i texted Michelle and she you know did the Michelle thing well sure i can pack a bag in 30 minutes that's exactly what she said <laughs> 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 so we ended up uh jumping in the car with them and and just hanging out all week in oklahoma and texas and just seeing friends and because th- this is a circle of there there's a there's really the way it's all tied together There's a whole group of ministry friends that just have been doing it for so many years together and to be down there and to uh, just kind of celebrate what the Lord's doing through this whole thing together was a pretty cool experience for us and so uh, it was a good time but there's a, (laughs) it's not as glamorous as you think it is, Uh, that red carpet thing happens for about 30 minutes every day and the rest of the day you're just sitting around (laughs) waiting for that 30 minutes to happen. It's kind of stupid, but... uh, But there's a lot of talk and a lot of conversation, a lot of hanging out, a lot of playing with kids. He had his whole family with him on the road. Uh, But... They're also consumed with statistics that how much money it's making and things like that based upon the success of the film, which, you know, just doesn't seem quite right, but you're there with the directors, and this is their life, and this is their work for the last five, six years. Uh, It's important to them and and everything else. Uh, And then you're sitting there, and the stinking Rotten Tomatoes comes out. If you don't know what Rotten Tomatoes is, it's like the movie critic site uh, where everybody, including the audience people, rate it and the critics put their opinions out there. Uh, well, the critics came out on Friday, and it was about 55%, and, and Bart started reading those things, and I'm like, just stop. Just stop reading them. Because, uh, as you know, faith-based films do not do well in Hollywood. They, that's the last thing on their agenda is Jesus if they're going to push anything in Hollywood, they're not pushing Jesus, and so the critics are just going to rip it no matter how good it is. Fortunately, um, it's not so bad. It, I, I, I think uh, the last time they looked, it was like at 55%, the critics, which is pretty good for a faith-based movie. But but here's, here's what, uh, as we talked... And process this whole thing um, it's not much different than what we're talking about here in the Gospels. Like you're going to see today that the critics come out against Jesus the whole time. His whole last week of his life is him dealing with the critics. Just constantly you're not the Messiah. You're not good enough. Everything that you know, you, we experienced here in real life this week, uh, is exactly what happened in the gospels. And, um, so one, I just ask you to pray for all those guys, that whole team Barton. I mean, it is your life story. You're putting your life story out there for the public to talk about, you know, and they talk about his weight. They talk about, you know, the things that are just like, it's unimportant. You get, get the message, get the message. It's about redemption. Uh, which is a cool thing because Dennis Quaid and, and even Trace Adkins and those guys are starting to figure it out. And uh, just watching the whole journey un- unload is, is cool. But uh, So pray for them. But let's look and see how Jesus dealt with this, the same thing of dealing with the critics. When we left uh, two weeks ago, we had Music Week last week, but two weeks ago we were processing the Gospels and we got to the point where we talked about the judgment. There were two judgments. There was the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. I'm not breaking that down right now, so go back and listen to that on the podcast. But uh, that's an important thing for you to understand those two judgments. So that has happened, and now we're at Luke chapter 19. We left off at verse 28. It said, when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to jerusalem that's the end of luke 19 and we jump to john chapter 11 and it says the jewish now the jewish passover was near if you go back and look at our notes this is the fourth time in the gospels that the passover has been mentioned in jesus's public ministry now you know how that works right If it's the fourth time that it's talked about, his public ministry is the minimal three years because he could have come in at the first Passover and now he's going out at the fourth Passover and it could have been three years or he could have come in before that Passover. We have no idea how long his public ministry is. We know it's at least three years because this is the fourth Passover mentioned. It says, now the Jewish Passover was near... And many went up to Jerusalem. You always go up to Jerusalem. No matter if you're in Galilee. If you're north in Galilee. You still go up to Jerusalem. When you are there in Israel. Those who are going with me. You always go up to Jerusalem. No matter which direction you're coming from. You're going up. It says they went up to Jerusalem from the country to purify themselves before the Passover. They were looking for Jesus and asking one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? He won't come to the festival, will he? The chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it so that they could arrest him. Now, the Passover was the celebration for the Jews... For the Pharisees, for the scribes, it was like the big deal like Christmas is to us. This was the time of the year that they would come to Jerusalem. I'll explain it here in just a second. And they would make their sacrifices and atonement for their sins. Everybody comes together in Jerusalem. And so they're thinking, if Jesus comes here, this is going to mess up everything. That's the last thing they wanted Jesus to do was to come to Jerusalem and mess up the Passover festival. And I promise you this, it's the last thing Satan wanted was for Jesus to come to Jerusalem at the time of the Passover, because the evil one, Satan, knows that he does not want Jesus to be the Passover sacrifice. So they're doing everything that they can to deter Jesus from coming to Jerusalem. And then uh, jump to the next chapter, chapter 12, verse 1. We're jumping all over today because we're keeping this in chronological order. Luke is about the only one that does a chronological order. Matthew, Mark, and John all kind of like jump around in their stories. But they all parallel each other. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. If you look at Jerusalem, say Jerusalem's right here behind me and the Temple Mount is here, just east of the Temple Mount is the Kidron Valley. There's a valley, and actually it's a highway right now. Highway, just cars driving on this Kidron Valley. And there to the east of the Kidron Valley is the Mount of Olives, Garden of Gethsemane. And just on the other side of the Mount of Olives is this city called Bethany. Now, if you remember when we've studied, we talked about this is where Mary and Martha lived. Jesus went over there many times. Uh, this is where he raised Lazarus from the dead. But it's all just east, probably about five miles of the temple. And here's the other thing is it says it's six days before the Passover. This would be the eighth day of the month of Nisan in 30 A.D. Now, you're going to get all sorts of uh, theological discussion about what year Jesus actually died. And most theologians will land on either 30 or 33. I'm going with 30. This is what I'm going with based upon what I've studied and what I've read. But on the eighth day of the month of Nisan, this is exactly one week before... The resurrection it's the same week as the crucifixion jump down to verse 9 it says then a large crowd of the jews learned he was there it said jesus was coming up to jerusalem and now they're finding out that he was there they came not only because of jesus but also to see lazarus the one he had raised from the dead he had just done this recently. He had just raised Lazarus from the dead and now he's this celebrity. What? You once were dead and now you're walking again? That's crazy. But the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus also because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. This miracle that Jesus had said, he had promised him, he said, I'm going to show you one more miracle. They kept saying, Jesus, show us more and more miracles. We want to know that you really are the Messiah. He's like, I'm going to show you one more miracle, and that's it. That's the miracle of Jonah. You're going to see a resurrection. So he raised Lazarus from the dead, and now all of a sudden, everybody wants to see Lazarus, and the word is out. They're all coming because Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. The Pharisees and the scribes don't want him to be the Messiah. It is on. This is like the greatest adventure. Now think about it. When you get into a mess, which is what the Pharisees and the scribes were, they were in a literal mess because they're talking about uh, their jobs. This is what they have done their whole life is they've trained to be Pharisees and scribes. And if Jesus comes in and says he's the Messiah and they've missed it, they're done. They don't have anything. No income, no job, just everything that they've grown up learning has now been lost. And so they don't want Jesus to be the Messiah. Now, if you're in that kind of a mess and you know Jesus is coming at the Passover, you just keep making things worse. Like, okay, so now you're going to kill Lazarus again? Don't you think Jesus can raise him again? (laughs) I mean, think about that for a second. When you're in a mess, you just keep making the mess bigger. You can't even think reasonably. Now, let me explain this Passover a little bit to you. Because this is obviously a big deal. To do that, I have to take you back to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, and verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month is to be the beginning of the months for you. It is the first month of the year. And let me break this down for you real quick, all right? Just a little side note, because you're going to see two names appear here in the Scripture. You're going to see the name Abib, A-B-I-B, and Nisan, N-I-S-A-N, appear as those months. That may sound like it's a contradiction, Right there, because there's two different months. But if you actually go back to Deuteronomy 16:1, watch this. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In Exodus, that's when the Israelites, the Jews, were taken into captivity by the Egyptians, right? And then they finally were let go by Pharaoh went through the Red Sea, Ten Commandments. That's all happening in Exodus. In Deuteronomy chapter sixteen one. it says, Set aside the month of Abib and observe the Passover to the Lord your God because the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by day in the month of Abib. All right? So you've got Abib there. But all of a sudden, it changes. And here's where it changed. It all changed in... 586 B.C. when the Babylonians came over and took the Israelites captive. Everything changed. And then you'll see the use of the actual word Nisan as the same month change in the book of Esther. Esther came after the Babylonian captivity. You can go to Esther... Chapter 3, verse 7, it says in the first month, again, it's the first month of the Jewish calendar year, the month of Nisan. That's in Esther chapter 3, verse 7. So there's just a little bit of difference right there in Abib and Nisan, but as we go through the New Testament, they are using the word Nisan. And Nisan, you think about, I have a list here in Jewish history and tradition of all the things that happen during the month of Nisan. For you and me, in our calendar year, that's probably going to happen sometime in the middle of March and April, which is right now. It's all based upon the moon and the harvest and everything else, and so it's constantly changing. That's why your Easter holiday always changes. It's not just this second Sunday or or the specific date on the calendar, but it always changed because Nisan always changed. But it is at this exact time of the year that that first month of Nisan began. But think about all these things that happened. In Joshua chapter 4, in 1416 B.C., we're not talking A.D., we're talking B.C., 14.16 14.16 in the book of Joshua on the 10th day of, night of Nisan, the Israelites crossed the Jordan River into Canaan. It actually says that in Joshua chapter 4. And if the Exodus happened on the 15th of Nisan uh, in 14.56. Some other things that uh, were interesting in this list. You get to the New Testament. Obviously, uh, Jesus comes to Bethany. And he's anointed there on the 8th of Nisan. On the 10th of Nisan, he enters into Jerusalem. And then the 14th of Nisan is celebrated as the Passover. And Jesus becomes the Passover lamb. then the 16th of Nisan is mentioned in John 20. And Jesus rose from the dead on that day. So you look and you'll see Nisan throughout the whole New Testament. So let me go back to Exodus chapter 12 and explain the Passover. It says, Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month they must each select an animal of the flock according to the father's family, one animal per family. Did you get this? This is important. On the tenth day of this first month, which at that point in Exodus it was a bee, but it's also Nisan, You're supposed to take this animal. If the household is too small for a whole animal, that person and the neighbor nearest his house are to select one based on the combined number of people. You should apportion the animal according to what each will eat. You must have an unblemished animal, a year-old male, an unblemished animal. You'll hear about that here in just a second. A year-old male, you may take it from either the sheep or the goats. You obviously hear that there's a Passover lamb, but did you know that it could be a sheep or a goat? It says you are to keep it until the 14th day of this month. This is back in Exodus that God's telling them this. The 10th and the 14th. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. That's usually around 6 p.m. They must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the house where they eat them. There to eat the meat that night. They should eat it roasted it over the fire along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. The reason they did unleavened bread is because they left in the middle of the time, middle of the night and they didn't have time to let the leaven rise in the bread. They had to get out quick. And the bitter herbs are to remind them about the sorrow that they had to go through as they were taken into captivity. It says, Do not eat of any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, but only roast it over fire, its head as well as its legs and inner organs. You must not leave any of it until morning any part of it left until morning you must burn no leftovers here is how you must eat it you must be dressed for travel your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand you are to eat it in a hurry it is the lord's passover verse 12 it says i will pass through the land of egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of egypt both people and animals i am the lord I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. The blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now watch this. This day is to be a memorial for you. You must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord you are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statue. This Passover that you're getting ready to experience is to be a festival for the rest of your life and the rest of your family's life and the family after that and the family, and you will always celebrate the Passover. Now you're sitting here going, well, how come we don't celebrate the Passover? Well, you're not a Jew. You're a Gentile. You weren't taken into captivity. This is for the Jews. They still, to this very day, celebrate the Passover as we move into the season of the Passover. But what about this? In Exodus, back in fourteen fifteen hundred B.C., God said, you're going to do this on the 10th day. Yet, we sit here and look now at 30 AD and Jesus comes in to Bethany on the 8th day and is presented on the 10th day. Hello? Hello? Are you you making this connection? I mean, it is getting ready to go down right here, and we're talking to the minute. Just as God and Jesus had planned it all along, it is falling into accordance of what the Scripture says. Jesus is going to be the Passover lamb, and it's going to be perfectly timed no matter what the Pharisees, the scribes, or Satan think that they can do to deter the plan of God and Jesus. And then we jump to Matthew 21. That's the Passover. Matthew 21 says, When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples telling them, Go into the village ahead of you, at once you will find a donkey tied there with her foal. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. <laughs> that's pretty awesome, right? You you tell your interns to go get a donkey and a foal, like that's that's it, you're just going to like, go out and find a donkey and a foal. No, there's a specific donkey and a foal that they're going to come across and it's going to be apparent to them and when the people question them, all you have to say is the Lord needs them and they will be given to him. Watch this, it gets better. It says, this took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. And then he actually quotes the prophet Matthew does. Tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you. Gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You guys, Zechariah was one of the minor prophets and it's one of the last books of the Old Testament. It was written 500 years before this was happening here at Bethpage. Hello? 500 years before, Zechariah profited, prophesied in Zechariah 9, nine, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 500 years before, it was prophesied. Now Jesus is actually there's a donkey over there that we're going to ride into town because that's what's been prophesied. It says, the disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey in its foal and they laid their clothes on them and he sat on them. Now you're sitting there like going, that's no big deal. He sat on a donkey with his robe and everything laid over him and Whatever he had on him. Jesus sat on the foal. You know what a foal is? It's a young colt. You know what a young colt is? A small animal that's never been sat on before. Have you ever sat on an animal that's never been sat on before? It does what? It bucks. It does not want you sitting on it. You kids have sat on your dogs. Your dog does not want you sitting on it. You know what I'm talking about. But watch this. This colt has never been ridden. You go back to Mark chapter 11 verse 2. Mark even says it. He says, and he told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. Jesus sits on this animal that has never been sat on, never been broken, and even has authority over the animals to cause it not to buck. That that in itself tells you something right there. That's a just a physical display of who Jesus is. If this animal's like, okay, I'm cool with this, never done it before. Right? You see this? It's apparent. It says in verse 8, a very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Why are they doing this? Their clothes are of value. But they're saying, look, we don't even want our Savior, our Messiah, to walk on this dirty road others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road again this was prophecy that's in the old testament it says then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted hosanna to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest heaven they're literally quoting this from psalm chapter 118 They know their scripture so well and that whole chapter is about a Messiah that is coming and they're reading quotes from this. They're yelling quotes. And so at this time, you've got all those that are for Jesus and then you've got all those critics that are against Jesus watching this whole thing and going, great, here it goes, it's going down. How do we stop this? What can we say about him to get this thing not to happen right here this week? we can't ruin Passover. I mean, literally, this is the thing the rabbis taught was Psalm 118, when the Messiah comes, this is what you say, and now the people are saying it, and they're like going, what do we do? They're proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. But the question is, is did they really believe it? I mean, we're talking about the Jewish people here looking for a Messiah. Did they really believe it? I think it's just like you see, in the, you probably got 50-50. 50 that are saying yes, and 50 that are saying no. It says, when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, who is this? It's not like they didn't know who he was. But they're like, is this really happening? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. He's the one that we've waited for to come in here at Jerusalem. And then John chapter 12. fly through a couple of scriptures here real quick. Verse 17, it says, Meanwhile, the crowd which had been with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify. Man, you should have been there. It was awesome. It's incredible. This is also why the crowd met him, because... They heard he had done this sign. Then the Pharisees said to one another, You see, you've accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone out. They're they're saying to each other, We're done, you guys. I don't know how we overcome what he just did here with raising Lazarus from the dead. That was amazing. But we can't let this go on. I skipped down in Matthew. He actually has the cleansing of the temple right here, but that's not chronological order. That actually happened the next day. So I jump down to Matthew chapter 21, verse 14. It says, The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Again, he stirred, Jesus is just like stirring the waters with these chief priests and these rabbis. and it says, When the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonders that he did and the children shouting in the temple, Hosanna, son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus replied, yes. <laughs> have you never read? You have prepared praise from the mouths of infants and the nursing babies. Again, he quotes the scripture. And what does Jesus do? It says, then he left them. And he went out of the city to Bethany and he spent the night there. That was Sunday that was the eighth day of Nisan Jesus came in said I'm here I'm here watch I'm gonna heal a few more people do some more signs real quick it's all going to come down to this week right here and he walks out now I'll leave you with this this last passage right here in Luke nine, in Luke 19 verse 41. This is the next day. As he approached and he saw the city, he wept for it. He went to Bethany. The next day, he comes back to Jerusalem. He comes back to his people. The Jews, the Jews that condemned him, the Jews that said, You're doing this from the spirit of Beelzebub, you're evil we don't believe you're the Messiah you're not good enough that you're not the one and Jesus could have easily said you sorry suckers it's all going down now and he said I feel bad for you Jesus walks back into the city and he's weeping for his people For his people. He doesn't want them to miss out on this. He's saying. If you knew this day. What would. What would bring. Anything on it. When he came to it. Wait. He said if you knew this day. What would bring peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you. When your enemies will build a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. Look, I don't think Jesus was saying I'm cursing you. I'm If he's weeping for his city, he's like, guys, this, this is what's going to happen to you because you didn't receive me as Messiah. My heart hurt my heart hurts for you. And I'm going to tell you exactly what's happening to you. They will crush you and your children among you to the ground. And they will not leave one stone on another in your midst because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. This was supposed to be the messianic kingdom. This was supposed to be when God set up his kingdom here on earth, yet he was rejected. God looked over his people. He said these are my people I love you but you did not receive me and because of that you will perish and your children will perish and this is exactly what happened in 70 AD the Romans came in and surrounded them burned their city and killed 1.1 million Jews wasn't Jesus that did it He cared for him. He cared for him. I thank the Lord that I'm actually living in 2018 where I can have his word. What all has occurred? I can have a Holy Spirit that has now been sent and living inside of me and can read this word and to understand it and to know that Jesus truly is the Messiah. Because if, 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 if we don't get that, if we don't understand that Jesus loves us and cares about us and in the midst of all this chaos and crisis that we're dealing with right here and amidst all the critics, we're going to have critics the rest of our life that are like calling us out. We're going to be in opposition. I guarantee you Jesus God will always be in opposition until the very end when he comes back. And when he comes back, there will be no opposition. It will be dealt with. I promise you. But until that point, the only way we survive this right now is trusting that a Savior loves us. He came here on earth and he can sympathize with us. He walked in a flesh body. He wept. He had sorrow. He had grief. He had, I'll say this softly. He had bad thoughts coming to his head. I didn't say he was sinful, but he was tempted. The evil one tempted Jesus just like the evil one tempts you. That brings me great hope to know that my God loves me enough because he came down here and experienced what we're experiencing here today. The stuff that's going on here. And Jesus is like in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, take this cup from me. Lord, take this. He wasn't saying, I don't want to go to the cross. He's like, Lord, this is terrible. The way the evil one works on us. I tell you that because I know I have a Savior that sympathizes with me. In the midst of my chaos, in the midst of my struggles, in the midst, midst of my anxieties. He sweat blood he gets it he loves us father thank you for uh, thank you for your word and Lord just as we come to this season of your last days here on earth we uh, are energized based upon knowing that you dealt with the negativity and the criticism of being God. And uh, we can sit here today resting in the truth, knowing the truth, and claiming boldly that you are the Messiah. And I give you praise and honor for that. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for just inhabiting us as people and allowing us to walk with you every day. May you strengthen those that are hurting out here today. May you heal those who need a healing today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.